Well, as you see in your notes, this is part three of the series, A Life Well-Aimed. And if you've missed the first couple, I want to encourage you, as we always do, to go online and listen to those and catch up. And, and so you, you kind of have the whole story, the whole, the whole message. And, and if you were here last week and uh, you heard the message, maybe the message, you know, brought some questions to your mind. And, and as I was at staff meeting kind of sharing this week what God's been doing in my life, Ty looks at me and he says, oh, I'm so glad that you're not leaving. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, what you said at the end of the sermon last week, he said, every time I've heard a pastor say that, it's like preparing the people, you know, for in a month he's going to drop the bomb that I'm moving somewhere else. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that at least today, as far as I know, we're not moving somewhere else. Now, to some of you, that might be a disappointment, but... Um, I just thought it important. Uh, my daughter asked my wife when, when she got home, Mom, are we moving? Are, are we going somewhere? No. What, honestly, what I was doing and what I am doing, what I continue to do is genuinely laying my life out there uh, before our Creator saying, am I doing what you want me to do? And being willing to um, answer whatever what, um, um, obey whatever answer he gives. And, and last week, if you weren't here, the, the, three, the three things that I'm expecting to hear are either A, your, your life is well aimed, you're heading in the right, David, dire- right direction, David, you're doing what I want you to do. B, um, you're, you're headed in the right direction, but I want to make some course corrections. There's some things that, that, that I want to work on in your life. Or C, um, that, and that was the one that kind of made some people think, wow, um, is Lord... Um, could it be a change of place? Could it be a change of, of, of job? Could it be a change of whatever? And, and, and I'm, all I'm saying, and, and all I'm, I'm encouraging and challenging you to do is to ask that question and allow God to answer it for you. Um, what, a, what a great thing to have Him say, you know what, yes, you're, you're, you're doing what I want you to do. You're headed in the direction that I want you to head. Um, and, and what a scary thing it would be for Him to say, you know what, I want you to move to Africa or to South America or to New York City or Lincoln, Nebraska or something like that, you know. Um, but if that's what he wants, that's it. That's the best thing. And, and we need to be asking the question. Um, I'm, I'm simply laying everything in my life down for God, for his inspection, his evaluation and his direction. And, and I would hope that, that we would all do that as well. Um, because as Ty mentioned two weeks ago, we don't know how many days we have left. Um, we, we are told the, the, to count our days, and we need to count them. Um, we need to recognize that we only have a certain number left, and, and I, for one, want to live those for Him. Um, you know, hypothetically, let's just say I have 212 days left. Um, you know, I want to live those for Him. I, I would rather live 212 days in Africa, if that's what God wants, than 30 years where I am, na- where I am at now, comfortable and living solely for myself. Um, that's what I want to do. And, and I have felt like, um, I have, I've really kind of been feeling like I've been a frog in a pot of water on the stove. And, you know, you can put a frog in a pot of water on the stove and you can turn the heat up and he'll stay in there and stay in there and stay in there. He will not jump out because his body slowly, because um, he's a cold-blooded animal, acclimates to the temperature until he just cooks. 
And that's kind of how I've been, been feeling. I've been feeling like the world and all of its temptations and all of its um, selfishness and, and the worldly things in my life, Satan has kind of turned the heat up in those. And, and I have just been sort of cooking in those without realizing it. And, and this, this series couldn't have come at a better time in my own life to, for, for me to say, hey, am I doing what God wants me to do? Is my life well aimed? Um, so, uh, He is blessing me in the midst of this series because um, I, I don't want to live a life for myself, um, which I think would be a life wasted. Um, I want to. I want to live it to, for Him. Now, um, we and a lot of people have used this term. We celebrated um, this past week the day that has become September 11th, and and it's a day where you know names are read and in uh, in places of memory in New York and Pennsylvania and at the Pentagon, and uh, um, it, it is a day for us to remember and be reminded what happened on that day. And as I was listening to some of the names being read on, on uh, that morning, um, one of the readers uh, took the liberty, I think, I don't know if he was given permission to do this, but he said in the midst of, of reading the names that, that our government, he said, our nation needs to make this day a national holiday so that we will never forget. Now, I want us to, to remember back to that day and, and what kind of thoughts went through our minds? What kind of thoughts do you think went through the minds of the people that were in that city going through that devastating attack together? And then, um, of course, the following weeks after that, what did, what did we do? We, we, we took account of what is important in our lives. Many people did. They, they, they are, uh, our churches kind of filled up with people that were wondering, what is there more to life than this? Am, am I missing something? I'm, I'm afraid. I'm scared. Um, I, I want some answers. And, and quite honestly, we, we have the answer. But sometimes we can forget that it's very, very important. Um, and I asked someone that I really respect this week this question. Um, I consider this person a good friend and a support to me. And, and I, just, I just asked him um, what he thought of the series that we're going through. What, what do you think of the series that we're going through? And he, he looked at me square in the eyes and he says, I don't like it. And I swallowed hard. Because I'm thinking, okay, go up, here it comes. And he said, I don't like it because it's really causing me to think and it's challenging me to the fact that maybe there's more to my life than what I'm living right now. Uh, maybe I've gotten pretty comfortable where I'm at right now. And, and I'm not asking, Lord, is there something that you have for me? And it has cost uh, me to question my life and wonder if God doesn't have more for, for me. And, and that's it. That's, that's the point. Um, that's what God is doing. And, and I trust that you have been taking the time last week. In church, we wrote down things that, that are priorities in our life and the things that, that we're treasuring in, in life. And I hope you took those home and you continue to pray about them and, and, and add to them and write them. Or maybe you didn't have time to do that this week. Um, and, and that's really what we're going to talk about. Now, when it comes to your family and your marriage, what are your 
priorities. And, and what you need to know is this message is a continuation of last week. It's going to be less about very specific things dealing with parenting and marriage. And, and it's more generally continuing to speak about where our lives are aimed in general. And there isn't anyone in here at any age that can check out whether you're 12 or, well, Gramps Baker was here first service, 90. Um, it pertains to us. So what is the number one priority in your life? What is it? What, 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 what was the first thing you wrote down when, when you started to make that list last week? What was you've thought about that this week? What is the, the one thing that kind of floated to the top? And, and I would suggest that a lot of people, they would say the number one priority in their life is their family. Um, it's my wife or it's my kids. It's my wife first and my kids second. And, and if that's where you are at, I want you to hear this. These are the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 14, verses 25, 26, and 27. And he says this, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, somebody said to me after first service this morning, he's like, I don't like that word hate. And, and to be honest with you, I don't like it either. I looked it up in the Greek. I'm thinking, oh, please let there be some other explanation for this word hate. There isn't. It's hate. And what Jesus is trying to tell these people is, look, I must be the number one priority in your life. I must be the most important over your wife, over your children, over your family. I just don't know how else to explain that. I mean, I can think of many times in my own life where I jump things over Jesus and put them first. Um, as I've been wrestling through the various things that we've been talking about, I grab my journal off, the, off my bookshelf, and, and at different points of time in my life, I, I write. And, and I would encourage all of us to write. It's, it's, and it's good to go back and look through those. And as I go back and look through those, uh, the times when I wrote, well, I won't even say the most, the times that I wrote were the times when I was going through a struggle in life, when I was trying to work through something when I was really seeking the face of God. And, and, and the, the first, the, the reason I even started writing in this book in the first place was because I wanted to be married and I was looking for a wife. And, 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 and so I listed all of the struggles I had in my relationships. And, and I often put my relationship with a girl above Jesus. I put her on that throne or the, the desire or the need to be married on that throne and I took Jesus off and said, Jesus, hope you can help me with this. Uh, and, it's, and it's right there. And then three years ago, uh, it was 2010, October 2010. <clears throat> There's been a lot of talk in, in the church community about uh, giving our pastors a sabbatical and a time to kind of take a break. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take four days. I'm going to go to a mountain cabin that, that uh, my brother's mother-in-law has, and I'm going to spend four days disconnected, complete silence, no TV, no phone, no music, only me, my Bible, and a couple books and my journal. And as I'm looking through the journal... Because uh, I wanted to start writing in it this week as I struggle through this. I, I, my, I want my life to be aimed well, God. 
um, I'm, I'm looking through this journal and I read the first day and it's like, wow, this is a cool place and, and there's all this awesome stuff. And yeah, you have to go out to the outhouse to go to the bathroom, but that's okay. It's no big deal. And um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the next day, next day I had, had said, well, this day I'm going to, uh, I'm going to fast for 24 hours. And, and all I'm going to do is pray and read through this particular book, uh, which is called Wasting Time with God, um, talking about different things like solitude and, and prayer and, and uh, those disciplines in our life. And, and by the end of that day, um, the words were beginning to not be so happy and joyful. And, and they, uh, well, let's just skip to the third day. The third day I got up, um, I ate breakfast because I was breaking the fast. And um, I didn't feel well. And, and the word that I l- wrote in my journal to describe my, the feeling that I have right now was loneliness. I was completely empty. Um, I had uh, all of the supports that I, that I had in life as I know them. My phone, my music, my internet, um, the electronics, the, the busyness of life, the activity were gone, stripped away. And, and now, here I am sitting here, just feeling empty. Empty. And, and, and as I think about that, I think, what a better place for God to have me so that He can then fill me up. Get all that junk out. And, and now, I'm going to fill you up. Well, I didn't make it to the fourth day. I came home a day early. I couldn't do it. I could not do it. And, and so then, um, in, at the end of that, that day before I left for home, I, I wrote in my journal, here are my goals for this next year, for, for 2011, because this was the end of 2010. And the top goal was, I'm going to spend uh, a nine to five day once a month fasting and in solitude, just listening to God. And, and I could be wrong, I, I, I could be just not remembering, but I didn't do that one time. And I think, I think my first problem was I didn't tell anybody that. That's, I wrote that in my journal. I don't show anybody my journal. Um, and I didn't tell anybody, hey, this, God said that I need to do this. You need to make sure that I do this. Um, and, and we're going to be challenged in, in an upcoming series in, in the area of, of solitude, one of the messages that's going to be coming up. And, and I think it's something that's important. And before I get ahead of myself, I need to just continue here because I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. So number one in your notes this morning is priorities. And I had you write two things on your notes um, to, to think about last week. It was priorities and treasures. Jesus says that our number one priority is Him. Above everything else, above the things that you and I hold the dearest on this planet, Above them is Jesus Christ to be His disciple. I mean, think about it. And I know we do often, but really think about it. Jesus died for you. He was hanging on that cross and you came to His mind. He gave up heaven for a time, was incarnate in a human body, lived a perfect life, was crucified voluntarily for you and for me. He gave it all. And, be, and, and because He gave it all, we have salvation through Jesus Christ. Priority number one is Him. Now, there are other things that, that 
we all put before Him at times, aren't there? One that has come to my mind this past week, and I really don't like the fact that it has come to my mind, is sports. I love sports. I do. And as I say that, and as you kind of snicker, if you really think about it, I think sports has become a tool of the devil in our culture. Billions of dollars are spent in the name of professional sports. And, and not just professional sports, though I know quite a few people who schedule their lives around football games or baseball games. You know, I would have really loved to have been in church this Sunday, Pastor Dave, but my team was playing at 11 and I couldn't make it. I've heard that before. High school sports is pretty big around here, isn't it? I mean, we always have time to do what we want to do, my grandmother used to say. You know, um, I can't take a day off to go do this thing. I can't take a day off to do Project One, but, you know, those beans or those corn or that project or that work thing is going to have to wait while I go travel to such and such a place to watch so-and-so play football or volleyball. Now, hear me out. This, This is... This is coming to me too. I mean, I'm not just preaching at you. I'm, I'm living this. There's a conflict coming up, in fact, in October. October 25th, the, where our conference is regional volleyball. It's like, what are you going to do? What's more important? I would like to say my kids are more important. Really? I have to determine whether this conference is what God, does God want me to do this? Is this a part of being a, living a, a well-aimed life for Him. And if it is, you know what? Your mom's going to have to cheer for me too. Um, we need to make tough decisions like that because all too often we just sort of throw caution to the wind and God is not the priority. And I realize, I, I hope you know that this is an incredibly huge spiritual battle that goes on in life. But it's one that we must fight. I have a relative that used to say that some people were so heavenly minded that they were of no earthly good. In fact, I'm, I'm, he said that about me on occasion, and I was kind of surprised about that. Because you know what? That's not our problem. It was just the opposite, I think, for us. We are, of so, we are so earthly minded that we are of no heavenly good. 1 Corinthians 15.58 Therefore, Paul says, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It can be hard work. But let's not let the hard work of the world get in the way of us giving ourselves to the hard work of Jesus Christ and the Gospel. Because the work Paul says is not in vain, but losing our voice for our favorite NFL team, well, that might be in vain. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not saying that watching a football game is sin. Because it's not. It's a matter of priority and importance. 
And, and, and that's what Jesus is talking about as well when he's talking about hating our mother and our father and our brother and our sister. Um, look at Hebrews 12, chapter 1 with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, the, he, the, the writer of this book says this. He says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So he's talking about two things here. We, we know that sin entangles. We know the, the consequences of temptation and giving into that and, and what happens when we sin and what that does in our life. But, but he's talking about another thing he, he says here. He says, everything that hinders. So there is sin that entangles and there's also everything else and, and it's that everything else that we have trouble with getting a, getting a handle on. I mean, there are a lot of good things in our lives. There are sports that are good. There's relationships that are good. There, 4-H is good. Fantasy football is good. Computer games can be good. Going to the lake can be good. There are lots of things that we can do that are good. But the question is, have we given our lives, uh, have we filled our lives so full of good things that there's not enough room for the best thing? And Jesus says, that's me. I want to challenge all of us. Let's surrender our lives to the evaluation of the Holy Spirit and the obedience to make the changes that God wants us to make. If I say that Jesus is number one in my life, and then I look, you, you were to come uh, to my house and look at how I spend my money and how I spend my time, would you be able to say that the number one priority in my life is Jesus Christ? Because if not, what I say and what I do, if what I do is differently than what I say, then what does that make me? I don't want to be that. I may say that Jesus is number one, but do my time and my schedule reflect it? If you were to take a look at that. Honestly, honestly asking the question. If I say that my family is my number two priority in my life, is it really? Or are there other things that have even jumped my family? And if Jesus is number one, and He is... And we say that our family is number two, but there are other things that have crowded that out to like number five or number six. Let's take steps to move Jesus to the number one priority spot in our lives. There have been times when my wife has said to me, you know, we, we're, just, we're just getting the leftovers, David. You know, you pour so much into your work and to your job that when you get home, you're exhausted and you have nothing left for us. Now, we are to work hard, and we're going to talk about that next week. But there comes a time in our life where we have to live intentionally and we have to make decisions. And there's going to be seasons in life where we're working on a special project or something. I know farmers, you know, the summertime is horrific sometimes. Harvest time. 
But that has to be the exception and not the rule. Um, there was a father in our church that called me a few months ago and, and he wanted to talk to me about some struggles that his son was having and actual behavioral problems his son was having. And as, as we begin to pray about it and as we begin to kind of dissect the whole situation, we saw that, that the new job that he had taken, which was a good job, it was a well-paying job, but this job had him away from home almost all of the time. And as we looked at the issues, we saw that the behavioral problems with his son began when he began to be absent. And you know what? He didn't say, well, Pastor Dave, we just need to get him to counseling and help him through this. He didn't say, Pastor Dave, let's just you know, pray for my son, although we did. It, as he seeked to live a well-aimed life. God said, you know what? You need to change jobs. And that's exactly what He did. He made the tough decision. That's what we need to do. The second list we made last week was our treasure list. Now, I know that as you listen to this today, and as you think in your head, when I say this, this phrase, our greatest treasure is our salvation in Jesus Christ, you can intellectually, probably most of you, if you're Christ followers here this morning, you can intellectually assent that that is absolutely true. Yes! Of course! Of course He is! And you would look at me like I was foolish if I didn't say it was. But is it really true? That's the hard question. In 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 58, I read 58, I'm going to read it again here in a second, but the, the sort of the, the pre words to 58 are 55 through 57. It says this Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul gives us the therefore. And he says, because this is true, because Jesus has done all of this, and there's no more victory, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So, to have well-aimed families and marriages, we must first have entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the start. Giving the true King and Creator of all things the throne of our life. Glorifying Him and patterning our lives consistently with what He teaches us in the Bible. Our relationship with Jesus is the true treasure of our life. And everything we do flows out of it. it. It affects how you treat your husband. It affects how you treat your wife. It affects how you treat your children. It affects how you engage in other relationships. How you spend your money, what you do for entertainment, how you make decisions on a daily basis. What you make as priorities and everything, in, in everything else in your life should come from the fact that Jesus is at the center and He is the one that's guiding that and working that out. 
In fact, it's what Jesus called the greatest commandment in Mark chapter 12. Turn with me to Mark chapter 12 if you would. We're going to look at verses 28 through 31. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, when he asked Jesus this question, it kind of makes me pause a little bit. And it sounds to me like that's kind of like a question to ask someone that has, you know, six kids. Which kid do you love the most? I mean, that's how big of an answer I think it would take to to answer this. Which of the commandments is the most important? And Jesus, apparently without a thought, He didn't write in the dirt with His finger or with a stick. He just gave an answer. And He says, the most important one answer, Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Number one priority is what? Love God. Number two, love your neighbor. Now, I think it's pretty safe to say that the woman or the man that we sleep with is a pretty close neighbor. Okay? Love God. Love your wife. Love your husband. Love your children. Priority one, priority two, and then it goes out from there. So Jesus says, love God. It's number one priority and treasure. You see, focusing too much on the stuff of this life leads our hearts away from Him. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Interesting. Where your treasure is, what you value in life the most, what you said is the number one priority, that's where your heart's going to be. And then he concludes his thought in verse 24 when he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We can't serve both God and money. We can't have money as our number one priority in life and serve God too. We can't have sports as our number one priority life in, in our life. We can't put anything. We can't serve or treasure anything over God and have Him in the place where He should be. And so the difficulty in what I'm continuing to wrestle with as I think about each one of you out there thinking about what I just said, and that's Pastor Dave. Um, You know, I'm a farmer, and I spend 12, sometimes 16 hours a day farming. How can I serve God and do that? That seems like that's what my life is all about. How then can I have God as a number one priority if the majority... You know what? What do you think about when you're sitting on that tractor? Um... What, what is your purpose in farming? Um, there are so many different things that we can lay before God and say, Lord, help me to understand these. How can I work hard at the job that you have given me and glorify you and have you as the number one priority in my life? 
And, and I honestly believe that it can be done. That He can do it. He can help you answer those questions. So will you join me in evaluating our lives? And what are we treasuring and have we put it onto the throne of our life in the place of Jesus? A very important word that Jesus uses in this statement in Mark chapter 12 is this. It's the all word. Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart. We are to hold nothing back. Everything we have. And, and as I think about what it takes to love God in this way, and if you will um, bear with me, I, I want to use a sports illustration in this. You know, this last weekend, there was a lot of them. There was football, and there was volleyball, and there was baseball on television. And, um, you know, most of us were probably at or watched at least one athletic event this weekend. Um, there was a, a Wyoming Cowboy scoring fest in War Memorial Stadium. There was also a scoring fest over in the east in Lincoln. It wasn't the Huskers. We won't talk about that one. Um, you know, when, when you think about sports, why are there so many good athletes? Why, why are there so many men and women who are the best at what they do? Because they sacrifice everything to do that one thing. You look at some of the train, training regiments that, that, that like some of the Olympic swimmers go through. And if I do this and then this and then this and I eat this many calories and then I burn this many and then I do this and it's day after day after day after day after day. Because they have to give their all to be at the top of their game. They eat, sleep, and live their sport every day. And then Saturdays and Sundays are generally the culmination of their all-out commitment and they have to sacrifice many things. Um, and they're willing to because they have this, uh, for many of them, that is the treasure. The treasure for them is the fun of the game or the money or the potential to showboat after a play on Sunday in front of the cameras. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, um, John Fox said a couple days ago about Peyton Manning, he said, I'm glad Peyton Manning's not my coach. He said, I have to tell him, Peyton, practice is over. You have to let these guys go home. He is that driven. Why? Because he wants to be at the top of his game. That man probably eats, sleeps, and drinks football. So first in Mark chapter 12, Jesus said, we must love with all of our heart. And our heart is at the very center of the life. If, if someone is unloving, what do we say about them? They don't have a heart. You know, if, if you're in love with someone, um, you're, you're just all about that person, we often say that we have given them our heart or we have given our heart to this thing. We place our... Um, loving God means that we give Him our very being. We place our complete faith and trust in Him. The priorities that we have in life will reflect this fact. And In fact, think about this and maybe write this in your notes. The greatest treasure that we can give our kids is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Second, we are to love God with all of our soul. 
And it's very important that we take time every day to rest and allow God to renew our soul. God says in the Old Testament, it's Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. You know, as I think about my own life in the last few months, I, I just can't stop doing. I go home, I have a time to sit on the couch and rest and relax. I don't. I get up and I find something to do. Oh, a window needs replaced. I'll go do that. Or, or this thing needs fixed. I'll go fix that. Or I just, I can't stop going. I can't stop doing. Let alone be silent. You know, it's in the room for a few minutes and then the TV's on or then the radio's on or sit down at the computer and pop up the internet and put Slack or radio on or put iTunes on and there's music going. What's wrong with some silence, David? I don't know. I just, I can't do it. I need to let my soul rest because if I, if I look at this passage here, it says, be still and know that I am God, which means that when I'm not being still, I'm not taking the time to know God. And, and you know, I, I kind of feel that way. We need to make some space in our lives to hear God. When you're in that tractor going back and forth, back and forth, turn KOA radio off. Turn off the talk shows. That's what I listened to all the time when I was driving tractor. And just let God speak to you. Just listen for a while. When you're driving through a pretty place, just enjoy the drive. We, we need to give Him complete access to our soul and withhold nothing from Him, which we, we think we do. You know, we think we hide things within our soul and, and, and we're getting away with it, but we need to allow God to go deep within us. Let's give some things up. You know, during a, their training process, an athlete needs rest. I mean, a part of that schedule is a certain amount of time to rest so that their body can recover. You know, God created you and me that way. He created the earth in seven days, right? No. He created it in six. He rested on the seventh. And He did that for a reason. So that we would recognize and so that He could teach us that we need rest. We need rest. And turning our souls over to God can be painful at times, but let's remember that He does love us and He loves you where you are today, right now. He loves you where you're at. If you're in the fog, He loves you. If you're struggling with this, He loves you. But He loves you too much to let you stay where you are. For our health's sake, God exposes things deep within us that need correction and healing. Take a look at the schedule that you are keeping. Is there any time for rest? Submit to the work of the Holy Spirit and He will expose the changes that need to, make, to be made. And let me remind you that the greatest treasure that we can give our kids or our neighbors or our friends or our grandkids is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Third, we are to love God with all of our minds. Both when an athlete practices and when they compete, they have to be completely focused on what they're doing, right? How many times have you heard a coach or a, a sports announcer say, man, that guy just lost his concentration? I saw a young lady on the volleyball court yesterday, and when I, walked her, when I watched her walk on the court, I said, you know what? She's not in this game. And it took her a while to get in the game, but she wasn't. She was thinking about something else. we are to love God in the same way. The Bible says that we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews 12.2. Let's not let the things of this world distract us, distract our mind, 
from loving God. This is especially true as we are parenting our children and our grandchildren. Um, there, is an, there is an intellectual aspect of our relationship with God, and it's right here. It's the Bible. He, he wants to teach us about himself. He wants to teach us the commands. He wants to, to teach us everything that we need for life. Everything we need to know about God is right here. Now, you may be thinking, I'm, Pastor Dave, I'm not a Bible reader. Well, I want to encourage you this week to pick up your Bible and to begin reading it. Start in Mark, the, the book that we're in. Start Mark chapter 1 and, and begin reading it. Um, and as you do, your Bible will begin to read you. The Holy Spirit, through the words that you're reading on the page, will begin reading you and speaking into your life. And you're going to go, Whoa, wait a minute, I didn't know that about myself. That's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit illuminating our lives like an x-ray would your body. God's Word can do the same. And then, finally, Jesus said that we are to love God with all of our strength. Now, we've all seen athletes at the end of their races collapse in exhaustion. Um, I have, you know, many of us probably have competed hard enough to where we couldn't keep our supper down. You know, we gave it our all, literally our all. Completely spent. That's what loving God with all of our strength is like. It means remaining faithful and committed to Him no matter what we are enduring at the time. Um, it means dis disciplining ourselves during times of blessing so, so as to be in top spiritual shape so when those times of testing come that, that we have the solid rock to stand on. You know, the reason that, that teams condition so much is, is so that they can be better conditioned than the other team. And so when those hard, strenuous times during the course of the game occur, they can push through it and survive out the other side. Doing what's right even if we don't like the thought of the consequences. It means doing what God wants us to. Even if you think your way is better or easier. The greatest treasure that we can give our kids is our own relationship with Jesus Christ. So, Dad, it's time to take leadership in this area. Uh, Mom, it's time to lead your children. And kids, there might be some changes that God wants you to make as well. But, Pastor Dave, you might be thinking, I, I really just don't know very much. I'm just a, I'm just a baby. Well, listen to this illustration. In the last day's newsletter, Leonard Ravenhill tells about a group of tourists visiting a picturesque village who walked by an old man sitting beside a fence in a rather patronizing way. One of the tourists asked him this question. They said, were any great men born in this village? To which the old man replied, nope, only babies. It's true. Great men aren't born. Are they? They have to grow up. And if we're to live a life well-aimed, we're not going to come into this at full velocity. We're going to grow into it. He's going to teach you. But you have to start somewhere. And that, I would commend, is today. The bottom line is this. Jesus is our greatest treasure and must be our number one priority. And 
I could say that it should be this way in your life, but here's the way that I'm going to say it this morning. It can be this way in your life. It can be real for you. As parents and members of a family, we can live our lives with Jesus as our number one priority. Let's seek first His kingdom and His righteousness because He is the true treasure. Lord Jesus, thank You for this morning. Thank You for what You've been doing in my own heart and my own life. And Lord Jesus, I pray that, that as I just am as transparent as I can be before this church family, Lord, that we can all see and hear the challenge of what You're doing in our own lives. Oh, Lord, help us to prioritize. And Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be, it wouldn't happen like it happened in my journal. I write this great goal down that I feel like you're calling me to and then I don't even look at it again for three years. Are you kidding me? Lord, help us. Hear our cry to you. And I pray that you would become the number one priority for us as individuals, the number one priority for us as a church that the people that are not gathered here and the people that are outside of you would see and hear. God, help us treasure you. In Jesus' name, amen. The ushers are going to come forward and take our morning offering. And if you're our guest here, please let the plate pass by. But we're going to invite everyone to drop those connect cards in the offering plate. I'll invite you to stand your feet as we sing these great words, reminding us of our need for our Lord. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here. I find my rest And without you I fall apart You're the one That guides my heart Lord, I need you Oh, I runs deep Your grace is more Your grace is found It's where you are And where you are For I am free Holiness is Christ in me Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you, 
temptation comes my way. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. And Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. And Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Let's lift our voices. Lord, I need you. And Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. our treasure. He's our goal. He's our leader, our forgiver, our redeemer, our rescuer, and we need him, don't we? Oh, how we need him. Let's go in that dependence and that realization, and may he guide our steps day by day. God bless you. Have a great week. Hope to see you again next week.